It's not a stretch to say that without the historic Wilmington Foundation, downtown Wilmington would look very different than it does today. Formed in 1966, the group has helped save dozens, if not hundreds, of homes and prominent properties from their likely destruction, including the Dayreset House at 2nd and Dock Streets, home of the City Club, which is also the former home of the historic Wilmington Foundation's offices. In that way, the historic Wilmington Foundation has done as much as any group to preserve the history of Wilmington. Now, with so much good work behind it, the historic Wilmington Foundation is looking to carry its mission of, of preserving the past into the future. In honor of Preservation Month, which falls each May, let's take a look at what the Historic Wilmington Foundation does and how it's evolving to meet present-day challenges. This is Cape Fear on Earth, the podcast exploring the legends, historical oddities, and landmark stories of southeastern North Carolina. I'm your host, John Staten, and I'm a reporter with the Star News here in Wilmington. We're a Gannett paper that's part of the USA Today Network. For today's episode, I sat down with Travis Gilbert, the Historic Wilmington Foundation's new executive director, and Isabel Shepard, its outreach and development coordinator, talk about Preservation Month and some of the new initiatives the foundation has taken on. We met at the Historic Wilmington Foundation's offices in downtown Wilmington. Okay, I am here in the Historic Wilmington Foundation offices with Travis Gilbert. He's the executive director of the Historic Wilmington Foundation. And I'm also here with Isabel Shepard. She's the outreach and development coordinator with the Historic Wilmington Foundation. And it's a 97 degree day outside, so it feels pretty good in here. Thank you both for um, sitting down with Kate for Earth. Thank you for having us, John. We appreciate the opportunity. It is absolutely a pleasure. Thank you. Well, yeah, so let's go ahead and get started. This is Preservation Month. This is a big deal for you guys, and you've been extremely busy. So let's talk first just a little bit about what Preservation Month is, why it's important, and then kind of how Historic Woman, how Historic Wilmington kind of leverages what you do into that month. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, each month in May, communities across the country celebrate National Preservation Month. It's an opportunity for organizations to not only commemorate the stewards of historic resources and all their efforts and endeavors to fulfill our mission of protecting and preserving the irreplaceable in the Lower Cape Fear on a daily basis, uh, but also celebrate what preservation means in the landscape all across the Lower Cape Fear. Absolutely, and I think we've got some fantastic initiatives uh, this year that are a little new. One of them is our 2021 Preservation Challenge. Uh, Travis can certainly go into a bit more of, of those in detail, but uh, what I find to be really extraordinary about uh, our approach this year has been how much we're trying to engage yeah. our community and not just our members, but at large to say, um, you have a role to play here, you have a voice, uh, and and beyond just caring for these individual buildings, why not start reaching out and becoming more involved? So I, um, I'm thrilled that we're taking a more active role. Yeah, well, um, one of the big things that you, that you guys did this month, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a week ago, was you um, had a big announcement at Giblam Lodge on Princess Street, mm-hmm. which was a building I've walked by many, many times in my years in Wilmington, always kind of wondered about, um, did not know very much about, but I learned quite a bit about it. I mean. I didn't know it was quite as old as it is from the, I think, 1870s, and um, how it was such an important part of the black community for decades and decades, and it's kind of fallen into disrepair, and you guys are kind of helping them find money to kind of repair this building and kind of bring it back to its uh, former glory. So talk about 
Talk a little bit about Giblum and why it's important and kind of why you guys decided to kind of uh, um, champion that cause. Of course. Well, we appreciated the Masons of Giblum Lodge hosting us for National Preservation Month. Uh, typically, the organization has a press conference, uh, and this year, of course, it was at Giblum. Um, so we announced our five preservation challenges, uh, which included ways to get involved. Um, and then we transitioned into unveiling this partnership uh, between Giblin Lodge and the Historic Wilmington Foundation to preserve this significant building in the story of Wilmington and the contributions of the African-American community's uh, involvement in the story. Uh, so uh, right now we are uh, providing options yeah. uh, for Giblin Lodge to fulfill their mission of using this historic building as a revitalized center for the expression of black history and culture here in Wilmington. So uh, Isabel and I and an incredible group of volunteers have been uh, scouring grant opportunities. Yeah. Uh, so we might use our resources to apply for grants on behalf of Giblin Lodge. Okay. Uh, we also have a phenomenal volunteer in McCallie Givens uh, from the Old Baldy Foundation who is preparing a local landmark application for Giblin Lodge. So it may have some extra protections since the lodge is not within a locally right, defined right. historic district. Um, and uh, I know she's been working with Dr. William uh, Poole, who is uh, really just the nation's premier expert wow. on Masonic lodges in the United States. Yeah, that's a whole culture when you start looking into that. And, and honestly, it's one that I don't know much about, but it's one that was very important back in the day, right? I mean, you have Masonic lodges all over Wilmington, down on Front Street where the old uh, the, uh, theater is. Mm -hmm. um, that was a Masonic lodge. But just like everything else was in those days, there was the Black Masons and the White Masons, and this was um, probably the most important Black Masonic lodge in Wilmington. So it is interesting that it's, um, you know, John Jeremiah Sullivan was there and he talked a lot about it and he's a local historian, writer, knows a lot about the history of that place and I loved how we talked about you could just go upstairs and just kind of feel the history of that place kind of uh, all around you and this might be a good opportunity to talk about maybe the shift in role, I don't know if it's a shift in role or if it's a evolution in, in uh, what the Historic Wilmington Foundation sees its role as. Because like when I was a kid, like when I was growing up, my dad was treasurer of this foundation in the 80s. <laughs> you know, typically they would um, you know, buy places, right, and then sell it to someone who would restore it. Because that's mm -hmm. kind of was the MO back in the day. And it seems like that's maybe changing, and this is, seems maybe emblematic of some of the different things that you guys are doing. Yeah, certainly. Well, um, I think the market's a little hotter and a little more extensive. <laughs> right. uh, Flipping has become more well, something that uh, not just nonprofits are interested in doing, yeah. but yeah, for different reasons. I think uh, Mr. Thomas Wright or Mr. R.V. Asbury would be yeah. shocked at some of the prices. Well, um, just like I was saying before, I mean, back in the day, you could buy a house for a song. I mean, they were in bad shape. People were like, who wants this? You know, whatever. And yeah. you could buy places for you know under $100,000, certainly. They were in good shape. They were fixer-uppers for sure. But um, so that's kind of played a part in how you see your role evolving as well. Certainly. Um, our role of preserving and protecting the irreplaceable historic resources here in the Lower Cape Fear 
can take a variety of definitions and a variety of action items. So in the late 60s, throughout the 70s and 80s, uh, the demand was purchasing properties here along the riverfront uh, that were endangered. And through a variety of tools, whether it be options or reselling the property with a revolving fund, finding an individual or LLC to uh, come in and ensure that that property was preserved in perpetuity. Uh, Oftentimes it would sell or buy the property from the historic Wilmington Foundation whether we were donated the property beforehand or actually purchased it with our revolving fund. And then uh, there was an easement, preservation easement placed on the property. Uh, So that means that in the deed, there are protections uh, that some have have deadlines, others are in perpetuity, where an individual can no longer come in and completely alter the building so it loses its historic and architectural integrity, or they can't come in and replace it with a high-rise condo. Uh, So uh, that has become less relevant here in Wilmington and in Brunswick and Pender counties today. Certainly, there are opportunities that exist that kind of rhyme and reason with that uh, previous fulfillment of our mission. Uh, but we have evolved as an organization and evolved as a community. Yeah. And the efforts of Isabel Shepard uh, <laughs> show how we are uh, expressing yeah. that here during Well, thank you for making that segue because I think it's a perfect time to talk about you know, what you are here to talk about, Isabel, which is this kind of a new initiative that you guys started, um, I guess, this month, really. Yeah, so I'm not going to lie, listening to Travis, I'm still biting at the bit of <laughs> just, you know, that that shift. Yeah. Um, so there was that need uh, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, but um, what we're seeing now uh, is a whole different host of problems. We have uh, heirs properties, um, which creates a whole host of legal pro- problems. You know, who, who is responsible for this home, who's responsible for the upkeep and the taxes, and a lot of times that does lead to homes going to foreclosure or homes being demolished. And that's, that is the loss of, of generational wealth, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. the, which was damaged uh, in 1898 in terms of stripping um, black families of their homes. Um, and that is what tri- that trickles down, right, to, to our present day. And I think that um, there's a reason why owning your home, own home is the American dream. Uh, so what we want to do is make sure that we are keeping historic buildings in use and their present homeowners in place because uh, that really is the way that we make sure that these buildings stand for generations to come is that those who are in there um, already, those who perhaps inherited their home from their great-grandmother, they know the stories of that home. Mm-hmm. And that the loss of a historic home in in these areas is also it's not just that but it's the loss of that family and what the family provides to that neighborhood the support um, the history uh, so I like to take a broader view of what it means to save houses I think um, it is it is most equitable and just uh, to save homes for the people who live in them um, so what we are doing uh, and I probably got a bit of my, ahead of myself there uh, but that's sort of the philosophy around 
how we wrote a grant for the 1772 Foundation. Um, and we were awarded, uh, we're very proud to say, in full um, for $75,000 to help uh, repair homes that are on the city's demolition by neglect list. These are homes that are loved by those who are in them. Um, but unfortunately, as we all know, in a historic home, a small problem can become large very fast. Absolutely. Um, so we want to be there to support the homeowners, um, to work with them for repairs, uh, and we're asking for nothing in return. We simply want these homes to stay in their community and stay in use. Yeah, and this transition is not unique to Wilmington. True. Uh, this is occurring across the state. Preservation Durham uh, created a preservation equity program and they are combating gentrification, displacement in the most vulnerable historic neighborhoods in Durham by providing these small grants to homeowners to you know, have a, a new roof placed on yeah. or address problems with the heating and cooling or windows, structural problems, rotten flooring. Yeah. Uh, so we are very proud to be transitioning with other preservation organizations across the state of North Carolina and across the nation. I think really what it what it highlights too and um, is just this idea that historic preservation is not just for the homes that are on Front Street. It's not just for the homes that are on South right. End. It is it is for homes all throughout our, our historic communities and it, it proves that old homes are affordable homes. I mean, what home is more affordable than a, than a home without a mortgage, right? Um, yeah. So, and if, if this if this family loses this building, they can't, dear Lord, it's, it's impossible to buy a, a home in Wilmington without, for the cost that they, for the amount that they would have. So right. I think that um, what it is demonstrating is that there is a role that historic preservation plays in social justice. Okay. Well, then how is that going to work? Do you have families that you've identified, or are people going to apply, or is it a combination of both? Or? Certainly. We worked with the City of Wilmington, who is a great partner. We have to shout out Cynthia Rausch and Brian Renner. Uh, we worked with that team at the City of Wilmington to identify five homes uh, to serve as a pilot for this program. And we certainly are going to encourage our local governments to uh, take ownership or obligation uh, with this pilot program as we move forward, as we tailor it and tweak it to make it a successful, long program yeah. that will help fulfill our mission into the years to come. Absolutely. I think, uh, it. thank you for mentioning that, Travis, but it's vital to note that this is not $75,000 of a grant that ends there. This is right. the beginning of, of really a push that this is important in our community. This is not something to be overlooked. Um, we will be applying for more grants. Um, and, and yes, we are looking for the support of our local leaders uh, to say that these homes and, and these families should be protected and preserved. Excellent. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about, I know you guys had a big uh, ceremony last <laughs> week at, um, and I think it's amazing that you did it at your preservation awards at one of the places that was getting the award. So how cool is that? Um, but first, let's talk a little bit about, and I just kind of, maybe this is just for my own um, edification, but um, let's talk a little bit about these different these different definitions, because for years I've been using kind of rehabilitation, <laughs> restoration kind of interchangeably, you know, but um, they're very different. So let's talk a little bit about about what is the difference between rehabilitation, restoration, and then you've got um, adaptive reuse in there as well. Of course. 
Well, restoration is a, a building that has been brought back to, let's say, its original glory uh, with great effort taken to replicate the use of materials employed at the time of construction. And in one of our homeowner uh, winners, uh, Dale and Pat Nixon with Intracoastal Roofing and Construction at 302 South 3rd Street, not only replicated the materials in replacing their roof after Hurricane Florence, they also replicated the techniques by that hand. Is amazing. Isn't that incredible? Um, so, uh, uh, John and Kim from Intracoastal Roofing and Construction, we have to commend their efforts and commend the Nixon's vision to not only replicate the standing sea metal roof, but have skilled laborers on site hand crimping this roof much like they would have done in the 1870s when that house was constructed. And I think it takes such a special type of person too to say after after a disaster like Hurricane yeah. Florence, we are all, you know, stressed out and, and for them to hear their options where they could have just done you know, a, a standard shingle roof. And they said, no, 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 we would like to take the absolute hardest route um, <laughs> right. in order to, you know, really serve our home. And I, I truly just have to commend, like, that type of determination yeah. is, is beautiful to see. Well, just like you say, after that house sustained a lot of damage from the hurricane, because that was a lot of rain, as you know, for, mm-hmm. for a lot of days that got in the house. So, of course. I mean, you know, kudos to them for, you know, stepping up and, yeah. You know, I'm sure it was a huge project because mm-hmm. it certainly was, and uh, and it goes. It should go with saying that um, at South Third Street, like the Nixons, yeah. they're underneath the jurisdiction of the City of Wilmington's Historic Preservation Commission, right. which is this quasi-judicial uh, commission appointed by the City of Wilmington City Council. Uh, to maintain the exterior of this home in an appropriate manner that protects the building's historic and architectural integrity. So the new roof was under the jurisdiction uh, of those protections and regulations. Uh, But another restoration homeowner, uh, Jeff and Ashley Walton, their home on Market Street was outside of the locally defined historic district. Uh, still within the Wilmington National Register Historic District, but outside those local regulations. So they didn't have to necessarily do all that they did in this restoration. Absolutely not. But just as Isabel said with the Nixons, of course, being the great preservationists that they are, Jeff and Ashley took the hardest approach possible. (laughs) They uh, said, you know what, we don't have to, but we're going to follow the Secretary of Interior standards. We're going to follow the Wilmington design standards that the Historic Preservation Commission follows because we believe in this home, we believe in the home story, and we're going to be great stewards, as Jeff said, only temporarily. And uh, we're doing this, we're fulfilling the Historic Wilmington Foundation's mission, personally, for whoever comes next That's as a steward. Because yeah. these buildings are so old, you know, they're going to have multiple generations you know, living them, using them. Um, so let's get to one of our other definitions. I'd love to have, I would love to have been there last week where you had your ceremony at Highwire, which was, I think, a winner of one of your um, Adaptive Reuse Awards. It's in a former car dealership there on Princess Street, now it's a brewery. 
You got it. We are so thankful that Andrew Hewitt uh, and Paramount Real Estate and Development and their tenant, Highwire Brewing, from of course out in Asheville, uh, hosted our Preservation Awards ceremony this year. Uh, you know, we weren't quite sure. For a long time, we were thinking COVID-19 was once again right, right. going to impede our ability to have an in-person ceremony. But uh, we decided kind of at the last minute that regulations uh, were eased enough to have a small uh, invitation-only celebration. And we, we appreciate Andy and Highwire for hosting us. Uh, but yeah, adaptive reuse is it's a building that's been preserved or restored sometimes uh, or rehabilitated. So restored, you're going to follow the methods and the materials that are original to the home or building. Uh, Rehabilitated is um, we're going to preserve it, but we're going to take some luxuries, some artistic statements about the materials or add additions Mm -hmm. to bring that home uh, and its use compatible with the 21st century. So an adaptive reuse, it could be a restoration or rehabilitation, but the building is being preserved for a purpose other than its intended use. So Highwire there at uh, 1020 Princess Street, it was built in 1945 as the Buick Oldsmobile dealership, (laughs) Uh, but it was adaptively reused by uh, Paramount Real Estate and Development into what we know as Highwire Brewing. And had a, a great team. The contractors were Sexton Coastal Construction, and the design was done by uh, M.W. Willard. Uh, so, uh, wonderful example of adaptive reuse. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you enjoy the ceremony? As I, well? had a, I had a lot of fun, and that fun was certainly uh, made even more palatable by the lovely, uh, you know, red sour that I had. So, <laughs> uh, it was a great setting. Um, I think that the adaptive, uh, adaptive reuse category is a fantastic example of a famous quote by Jane Jacobs, um, new ideas need old buildings. Um, so it's a great quote. It is a great quote. <laughs> it's, it's, just cool, right? it's just cool to think that you're having a beer in this place that used to be, you know, they used to sell cars here. Now it's been made into something, you know, new and different and just cool, I guess. Absolutely. I think uh, folks, folks do not go to end of days or high wire because uh, you know, they, they go there because of the ambiance, because of the setting. Um, you know, if it were just in a commercialized building with just straight up drywall in a commercial mall somewhere, we're seeing that that, that doesn't work. That layout doesn't fit uh, the market. It doesn't fit what young young folks want. Turns out they want old things. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they want to play in them and use them. And so. Um, and it's, I'm also just as a small shout out to End of Days, a winner from our 2020 Preservation Awards. They will actually be giving uh, tastings here at our headquarters during our summer salon series. Um, so check out our website, historicwilmington.org, uh, for more details there. Um, so that'll be happening on the first and third Wednesday of June, July, and August. So um, we're really grateful to have End of Days not only uh, serving historic preservation through their adaptive reuse, but continuing to really support us and, and the work that we do. They will um, also be hosting our after party for yeah. the this year's Run Through History. So yeah. stay tuned for that as well. I heard yeah, that I they mean, might whip up an old home old fashioned. I will, I will be there. Um, I mean, and I can really sit in, I mean, each one of these projects that you gave awards for, I mean, you could do a separate podcast probably on 
every single one of these. I mean, there's the Gaylord building down on Front Street. I used to work on Front Street back in the 90s when it was Encore. That building did not change for 30 years or more. It just mm-hmm. sat vacant until it seemed like in a matter of months or weeks even. Um, Monteith came in there and they made it beautiful. I mean, then there's the Seabird, uh, the building where the Seabird is, the new restaurant. It's just, there's so much going on um, downtown right now, and it all kind of ties in with uh, historic preservation in some way. Of course, and Monteith uh, and the team at Common Desk Wilmington that is in the Gaylord building, uh, they took an extra step. We have to commend Monteith's vision when they were removing all the old growth wood out of the Gaylord building that could not be uh, used in this adaptive reuse project for Common Desk. They donated that old growth wood to Legacy Architectural Salvage, which is a program or project of the Historic Wilmington Foundation located behind Stevens Hardware on Dawson Street. Uh, So they donated the old growth wood into our storefront. Folks came into Legacy Architectural Salvage and they are purchasing this old growth wood. So now a piece of the Gaylord building Mm -hmm. and its story are on mantles and accent walls and shelf units all across the Lower Cape Fear, and I would venture to say all across the state of North Carolina and the Southeast, maybe even the nation, because Legacy Architectural Salvage is uh, a one of the only salvage operations in the state of North Carolina. Of course, Preservation Greensboro has an operation. We commend their efforts. Uh, So that's another way of our mission transitioning for the 21st century. Uh, You can't save a property or a home. Uh, You can donate its materials so it might be used in the contributions of another property's preservation. And those materials are used, uh, I just wanted to add, not just in private residences, but we're often a, a... a resource for um, new stores and storefronts. Yep. Um, Copper Penny came in during uh, during the the beginning of the pandemic, and of course, as many restaurants did, they had to completely rethink yep. their layout. Yep. And uh, my hat goes off to them for using wood, reclaimed wood from Legacy Architectural Salvage, um, and that's how they made some of their new tables and booths and um, the cool. hostess station. So I think it's great to see. The, the many different ways that, that it does end up. And also, I mean, quite simply, you can't get wood like this anymore. You cannot, if you're yeah, trying to right, repair yeah. your historic floors, like good luck going to Lowe's. Um, it's all sapling wood, yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is heavy, old growth. You know, you it's, it's just something special. Yeah, of but it's cool. And I mean, and that just goes back to, you know, just what you were saying before about how we were saying before we started the podcast how a lot of the these people who are, who are won the awards this year are younger, right? We think of historic preservation as old and older people. There's a lot of younger people that are getting involved um, in this historic preservation. Of course. I think if you looked out at the crowd at Highware <laughs> Brewing, uh, it was a young crowd. There were families. They were young children yeah. and babies that were welcome at the ceremony. Yeah. Uh, it provided a perfect picturesque, I might say, Mm -hmm. snapshot of the demographics of historic preservation in the 21st century. And we are so glad that that community feels welcome and feels as if they're contributing 
to historic preservation. We want to make historic preservation a large umbrella because it affects so many causes across the Lower Cape Fear. Um, Thinking of historic preservation, a word winner that affects so many causes is wave transit. Oh my gosh. Um, so they, they took an old, yeah. uh, the old New Earth Brothers Motor yeah. Company building, uh, North Third Street. It's a 1938 building, again outside of the local historic yeah. district. Yeah. So under very few regulations, and they decided we're not going to demolish this building and build a brand new transit center. No, we're going to take this contributing structure to Wilmington's National Register Historic District. We're going to do a rehabilitation project to adaptively reuse this building. So not only does it maintain its historic and integral architectural integrity to keep it, in of course, in our opinion, on the list of contributing structures yeah. to Wilmington's National Register District, but have this old building serve our community as a hub for public transportation. This intersection of so many causes and historic preservation. I mean, public transportation is vital for economic development. Uh, there are many individuals in our community who need jobs, and in order to have jobs and keep jobs, they need public transportation. And there's younger folks moving here who would much rather use that than their car. I have to say, I got truly emotional uh, watching Laura Paget receive the award. She is one of my all-time heroes. Laura, if you're listening, um, but I remember as a former reporter covering city council meetings and hearing Laura Padgett just advocate over and over and over again for, for greater support for that and to expand our infrastructure, bring it into the 21st century and to see her dream realized and, and for her to be able to sort of bask in that. Yeah. I also saw Albert Eby there and was really was well, really just thrilled to see It was see definitely her team. baby. I was there on the kind of the grand opening over there at the bus station and it looks great and it's just a great story too. And yeah. She worked on that. That didn't happen, as you know, overnight no. for years and years and years. But to me that just kind of brings it back to it's all about people, right? We talk about yeah. buildings and these projects, but it's really about making better living spaces for people, better playing spaces for people, just cooler spaces in general for the entire town. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the people I wanted to talk about is a person you gave an award to, who I've worked with, named Bobby Fair, who's <laughs> been worked on, well, he, he painted my house about five years ago. When my, when my dad bought this property in the late 70s, he helped my dad restore it. Well, to help my dad, he restored it, um, and but and he's worked on dozens, if not hundreds, of buildings and homes downtown over the years, and he's just a master craftsman. I think you gave him your award of merit, um, which he certainly deserves, because um, his work is. Um, I mean, and, and he's he's in his seventies now. He was just painting my neighbor's house the other day, so he's still at it. Yeah. Well, you couldn't tell me he is in his 70s when he showed up at Highwire <laughs> Brewing. Um, I, not only was I just getting a little giddy uh, seeing Laura Paget there, uh, but meeting Bobby Ferrer, um, I got a little giddy as well. I got goosebumps. To meet somebody whose shoulders we are all standing upon as advocates for historic preservation was an incredible experience. 
and the universality of his skills. This man is a carpenter. I have seen pictures and now can say, have seen firsthand some archways that he has created. Uh, he's a draftsman. I've heard about his ability uh, without any kind of, um, you know, at least in terms of pen and paper uh, experience. Uh, take a look at an arch or take a look at a building and replicate that on paper and then replicate an arch based yep. on his yep. drawings. Uh, in some of the buildings that he's worked on, uh, Isabel knows my affection for federal or <laughs> federal transitionary buildings. Usually they're a federal transition for Greek revival or Italian age. <laughs> <laughs> um, to, to meet the man who made the Lazarus building on Chestnut Street, what it is today, um, was astounding. And it was quite an honor. And I am so thankful uh, that Bobby received an award of merit this year. And once again, we thank him for all his contributions for preserving and protecting the irreplaceable here in the Lower Cape Fear. Yeah, well, um, we've talked about, we've covered a lot. I mean, like I said, I wish we could touch on all these projects that, um, that got awards because like I said, we could do a full show on each, each and every one of them. Um, but, um, we're coming to the end of Preservation Month. Today is uh, we're, we're recording this on May 24th. Um, so, as you look forward to Preservation Month 2022, you know, into the future, where do you see um, historic Wilmington's efforts going? Where do you see um, what, what's going to be um, taking up your time, you know, um, between now and the next Preservation Month month next year? It's an excellent question, John. Well, I hope to see progress on our five Preservation Month challenges. Mm -hmm. uh, I hope to see HTC Go passed in uh, the Federal Congress, um, which increases opportunities for Federal Historic Preservation Tax Credits. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the best way to, uh, be, to create an incentive for the preservation of buildings in our National Register Historic Districts. I hope to see Maid Cemetery yeah. looking oh a lot gosh. better, right? Yeah, so to kind of go through our preservation challenges, yep. um, I do think that's fairly important. There's yep. still time to complete them in May. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. okay. You can do yeah. it probably in the next 20 minutes. It's <laughs> that easy. Um, but one of them is to write to your congressional delegation in support of HTC Go. Um, when you go to our website and go to events and then Preservation Challenge, um, then you can see all of these and there are links it is so easy we have created drafts for these letters so you can edit them accordingly but um and which we certainly encourage you to do they they are more effective that way yes. um but we've made it so that uh you know we're hoping that that this is easy for our community to do and that that they'll step up to the plate for preservation um the other uh the second challenge uh was to participate in the cleanup of maid cemetery uh which is a historic um black cemetery with graves dating back to the 19th century oh. uh we did that this saturday travis and i are still recovering <laughs> i'm a little sore <laughs> i'm a bit sore and i have scratches all over um but in any case uh what we realized when we went there was that this is not a one-time project yeah. um there is right. a reason why the term perpetual care is used for cemeteries is that you know 
the ground grows. The the grapes <laughs> may not, but the, the you know the trees do. Um, the grass does, and so uh, we would really love to continue that to continue to support community advocate Kathy King as she leads the way for that project. So do check out our website for more details there. <laughs> By next year, it's gonna to be totally cleared up. Um, and the third is to express your support for a preservation easement on the Borscht building. Mm -hmm. So we'll I see hope, where that ends up. I hope next year uh, we're taking a look at plans developed by LS3P and Zimmer okay. Development uh, proposed to the New Hanover County Commissioners, uh, including a rehabilitated or adaptively reused or restored perhaps right. horse building yeah. there are a lot of options there's a lot of <laughs> options yeah and, and this one right down there on second street near the library of course i mean see you're speaking of a trend here of yeah. Yeah. early to mid 20th century car dealerships uh with adaptive reuse projects that is, that is interesting yeah. and here we have yeah. a building owned by new hanover county that has a wonderful opportunity to follow, let's say, Wave Transit or yep. Paramount Real Estate's mm -hmm. lead by not demolishing a building, but let's take some adaptive reuse initiative and incorporate this building into a revitalized block there in the center of town. So we hope by 2022, uh, the Borscht building is preserved yeah. uh, and is incorporated into the future. And I know we hope to see a, a robust uh, African-American heritage trail in Pender County. And we hope to see uh, technical support provided by the National Park Service for Brunswick County's Gullah Geechee Greenway and Blueway Corridor to connect sites such as Reeves Chapel and the Rice Canals mm -hmm. on a preserved Eagles Island, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Again, there are letters to send to our local and state uh, representatives for uh, three out of those five challenges. And if you missed this Saturday's cleanup, good news is there's many more. To <laughs> so get out your lawnmower, your chainsaw, whatever really does it for you, and come on out. So we hope, in, in short, that in Preservation Month 2022, um, these initiatives at Giblin Lodge and uh, with the yes. 1772 Foundation grant yeah. are on their way to being fulfilled. And we hope to look back upon a year where our membership, our supporters, and our future members are engaged and are taking ownership, not only in these five challenges, mm -hmm. but this overarching theme that preservation is not a passive uh, process. It involves an active, engaged community. And that is the message we're trying to send out of our humble little headquarters here in downtown Wilmington. Outstanding. Well, I feel like we've talked about quite a lot, but I feel like we've also kind of just barely scratched the surface. There's so much <laughs> going on in Wilmington, so much history to talk about. So many buildings uh, just have fascinating stories. But I just thank you both for taking time to talk with me. Travis Gilbert, director of the Historic Wilmington Foundation. Isabel Shepard, outreach and development coordinator with Historic Wilmington. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, John. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of Cape Fear on Earth and our look at the ever-evolving Historic Wilmington Foundation. We'll be back soon with another chapter of Wilmington history. Till then, make sure you're a member of our Facebook group where listeners can ask questions about our episodes and share their own memories of the region's history. 
In that group, I post extra content from each episode and links to all of my coverage of local history for the Star News. You can find that group by searching Cape Fear Unearthed on Facebook. And don't forget to sign up for the Cape Fear Unearthed newsletter that goes out every Thursday. Sign up for the newsletter at starnewsonline.com slash newsletters. Cape Fear on Earth was written, edited, and hosted by yours truly, John Staten. You can find more of my work at starnewsonline.com. Additional editing is done by Adam Fish. This podcast was made possible by listeners and readers like you. Support local journalism and Cape Fear on Earth by subscribing to the Star News today at starnewsonline.com slash subscribe. And while you're subscribing to things, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream this show so you never miss an episode. While you're there, leave us a review, which will help more people find Cape Fear Unearthed. Until then, get out and explore the Cape Fear region on your own. You never know what you might unearth.